Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan, and my podcast is The Influence Continuum, and I'm absolutely honored and delighted to have with me a very, an awesome mental health professional who I've had the honor of knowing for several years. Uh, Bandy X. Lee is a psychiatrist and Masters of Divinity. She's a forensic psychiatrist, internationally recognized expert on violence. And she taught at Yale School of Medicine and Yale Law School from 2003 to 2020. And in addition to an authoritative textbook, she's published more than 100 peer-reviewed articles and chapters, 17 edited scholarly books and journal special issues, and more than 300 op-eds and outlets like The Guardian, The New York Times, Boston Globe, The Independent, and Politico. And she's assembled fellow professionals for the New York Times bestseller, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, 37 Psychiatrists and Mental Health Experts, Assess a President, Making History, and Predicting the Events of January 6, 2021, through her profile of a nation, Trump's Mind, America's Soul. She's currently present, president of the World Mental Health Coalition, Disclaimer, I joined it as soon as Bandy started it because we need more mental health voice uh, to help uh, human beings around the world. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for the great work, courageous work you've been doing uh, and for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation and for the kind introduction. My pleasure. So I want to I wanna state categorically that despite your book being a bestseller, uh, you experienced uh, censorship. Uh, you experienced um, people sending a limo for you to bring you to the studio for an interview and then it being canceled at the last minute hundreds of times. I'd like to start with censorship mm -hmm. <laughs> first and why it's so important for your voice and other experts on dangerousness to be heeded. Yes, the experience of censorship was something that was quite prominent from the start. Uh, despite some of the most renowned names in psychiatry and psychology coming forth and uh, putting our consensus together, there were thousands of us from the beginning uh, who held a consensus and there was really very little voice outside of our uh, opinion that uh, the Donald Trump presidency was going to be a serious public health problem, a danger to the nation, and something that we had to bring our expertise to. Uh, but um, uh, the New York Times, even you mentioned it was a bestseller. Uh, despite it being a bestseller and seasoned reviewers wishing to review the book for the New York Times, the New York Times blocked it. And uh, then uh, we still managed in a few months to raise the issue of the topic of the president's mental health to the number one uh, topic of national conversation to the point where the premier journalists of our day actually reached out and said, you've achieved it. You have done uh, all that you could probably do to effectuate um, uh, some intervention and then the American Psychiatric Association, as you know, stepped in in major aggressive ways, in ways I've never seen it do before, uh, in, in 
telling all media organizations that we were unethical, that we should not be speaking up, uh, when in fact we believe that we were fulfilling our obligations to society as the APA itself outlined in its ethics code. Um, and and just to highlight that for our listeners, you talk about a duty to warn. Like if we're aware as mental health professionals that somebody is, you know, going talking about getting a rifle and going to a school and shooting up, we have a duty to warn. Can you talk Absolutely. about that duty explicitly, please? Yes, we have a duty to warn, not just to warn, but to protect, uh, protect patients, protect other human beings, society. Mm -hmm. When we know of danger and the source of information can come from any source, it does not have to be a personal interview as the APA tried to essentially gaslight the public into believing. Um, it can come from any source. And if we believe that there is a danger, we are mandated, often legally obligated mm -hmm. to warn potential victims. And uh, we have something called the Tarasov Doctrine. That's not the only place where duty to warn applies. We have a duty to warn society because we have a responsibility to society as we do to patients. And that's explicitly outlined in the APA Ethics Code, in the Geneva Declaration, in the Hippocratic Oath that we have an obligation to justice and society. And so uh, to counter all of that in favor of protecting a powerful political figure did not make sense from any medical, scholarly, or ethical perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I want to highlight, this is your specialty. You work with, in prisons, you work with gangs. It's your job to pick up the behavioral cues without necessarily sitting in a room to do a diagnostic interview. It's your job to identify people who are dangerous. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. A personal interview is often not required for assessing dangerousness. Clinicians do it uh, all the time. Every encounter, they assess for dangerousness first before going into the interview. Diagnosis comes much later. And diagnosis actually has nothing to do with danger. Uh, and not to mention that I'm a forensic psychiatrist. In other words, uh, dealing with dangerous individuals and individuals who interface between mental health and criminal justice. And uh, I specialize in the prevention of violence, not just intervention after, uh, after the fact or uh, predicting individual violence, but I uh, specialize in the public health population level intervention to prevent violence. And it was very clear to me from the beginning of Donald Trump's presidency that he would he was a danger to the nation in terms of being a violent violence prone personality himself but through his rhetoric through his style through his emotional compulsions would spread his violence yeah uh, i can't internationally help but and nationally. i can't help but uh, cite his his boast I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and people will follow me. It's a paraphrase. But isn't that kind of a blaring red light, red light, danger, danger? Yes, absolutely. Um, people generally underestimate the power of words. But we know that 
uh, violence produced by individual actions, that is punching out a person, even shooting a person, does not rise to the level of an influential figure speaking of violence, endorsing violence, and uh, expressing entitlement for violence uh, in terms of spreading a widespread epidemic of a culture of violence. And that's exactly what happened. So you predicted it. And here we are years later. He lost the 2020 election. January 1st was a violent attack on our nation's capital. The last poll that I read said that there was some 22 million Americans who actually believe he won the election, uh, that it was stolen. Uh, that and, and are saying that violence may be necessary to take America back from uh, Biden and the Democrats. So we have a mass radicalization phenomenon, it seems. Can you please uh, talk about, you know, what do we do? I mean, we're identifying it, but then, you know, what what should people be thinking about here? Yes, absolutely, because we did not contain the violence at the individual stage, uh, the psychological stage, if you will, uh, it has spread socially, culturally, geopolitically, and, and to uh, our civic discourse. And, and uh, we're not able to contain violence in ways that it's threatening our democracy. Um, and, and that's exactly what we feared when his violent rhetoric was taken to be just another political stance or a political strategy, uh, just like any other, whereas in fact it was uh, a danger to health and public health that we needed to contain. Uh, just like the viral pandemic with COVID-19, there are specific measures you have to take early on uh, following the science, following scholarship, uh, or if we do not do those measures, it spirals out of control because uh, pandemics, epidemics are exponential. So is violence. In fact, a good um, colleague of mine at the World Health Organization, Dr. Gary Slutkin, who is an infectious disease expert, actually went into violence prevention because violence acts very much like an infectious disease. So do other psychological symptoms, in fact. And uh, that is why we see the spread of delusions, the, uh, the, the false beliefs regarding the 2020 election and uh, the, uh, the former president being the rightful uh, person who should be sitting in the presidency. That kind of uh, beliefs are also contagious. And we, we even uh, have a term for that, shared psychosis. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to ask you to please share. the What is a psychosis and what is a shared psychosis? Yes, actually shared psychosis, it should be clarified that it's not just psychosis that becomes shared. In fact, uh -huh. many other symptoms are shared before frank psychosis, but it's called shared psychosis to call attention to the severity of the spread of symptoms. In fact, when severe symptoms are not treated, and I've worked uh, in public sector settings uh, where individuals with psychosis, such as schizophrenia, would go untreated, uh, and we would find that uh, in the household or in the community uh, where they hold influence, that their symptoms would spread in a way that those who are previously healthy are not the ones who make the sick person better, 
But in fact, when the symptoms are unmitigated, it's the healthy persons who take on the symptoms and look as if they have the same pathology, such as schizophrenia. In fact, you have to take a detailed history to figure out who in fact had the primary illness and who needs to be treated for the rest of the people to get better. Um, but of course, it doesn't just happen with, with schizophrenia. It happens in gangs. It happens in cults, as you may have experienced. Oh, sure. The rapid spread of false beliefs that happen when you have a severely symptomatic person in a leadership position, such as cult leaders often are, gang leaders often are, and they play upon vulnerabilities, psychological vulnerabilities in the population for to facilitate the spread of symptoms. And so it's very dangerous to have a severely mentally impaired person in a position of influence with a lot of uh, exposure to the public. And yeah. as you see, psychological symptoms don't have don't need physical exposure in order to spread, and so can spread much more rapidly through the mass media, through social media, and so on. Right, and as you know from my writings in the cult of Trump, it's my thesis that a lot of his base are already in authoritarian cults, following leaders who they believe to be a prophet of God or an apostle and they're completely obedient and dependent on them. And so let's talk for a minute, not just about Donald Trump, but all the enablers, as well as other politicians, senators and Congress people right now, uh, in, in, and then the social media platforms and Breitbart and Fox News and disinformation channels. Um, what Don't they play a role in, in responsibility for creating the mess that we're in? Oh, yes, absolutely. Just like any contagious disease, and, and we can call this a contagious disease because uh, it's uh, emotional compulsion that drives the spread of symptoms, not rational persuasion or, or logical thinking or evidence or proof or anything of that uh, kind. Um, so, so in order for symptoms to spread, you first need uh, a a virus, a source of contagion, and you need an environment that facilitates the mm -hmm. contagion and then, um, and then uh, receptive, uh, receptive audience, if you will, um, the, the hosts that take on the contagion. Great. Disease. So as a public health expert, what do we do? We need, what, preventive programs to... To, to inoculate people, to use the virus metaphor a little bit more, infection metaphor. Prevention, we need to train mental health professionals how to intervene with active, virulent, dangerous people in cases. And then we need recovery services for everyone who are coming out of the rabbit hole, who are going, like I did in 1976, how could I have believed that Moon was the Messiah and that God thinks that democracy is satanic, you know, and that we have to kill everyone who doesn't believe what we believe. But I actually was made to believe that. Yes, absolutely. Because you had a symptomatic individual who was spreading these beliefs, Sun Young Moon. Um, we can safely say that he had uh, characteristics of severe personality disorder. And, uh, 
and you were in an environment conducive to the spread of these false beliefs, which was a cult setting where you were surrounded by people with the same beliefs and, and you were pressured to believe these things or terrible things will happen to you. Uh, in fact, you mentioned uh, individuals in authoritarian cults now transitioning into the Trump cult. And uh, authoritarian cults actually, as well as gangs and prison settings where I have done most of my work, um, condition individuals to, uh, to being parts of other cults. And uh, unless someone takes the proactive step as you have, to pull yourself out and help others who are predisposed to falling into a cult-like setting, that, uh, that unless you um, take these uh, very active steps to learn from your experience and to heal others uh, who are coming out of cults or, or who are about to get into uh, these um, uh, harmful environments, that uh, it's very easy for those who are conditioned to be in cults to fall yeah, into another I, cult. I just want to do a mild correction. I actually nearly died in a van crash due to sleep exhaustion. I was away from the cult for two weeks sleeping, which I did almost none of when I was in the cult. And then it was the love of my family hiring ex-moonies to do a deprogramming. So I wish I could say I woke myself up and got out, but I really needed help. And that's been part of my my life work is to like tell everybody, if you love your son, your daughter, your aunt, your uncle, your mother, your father, and you know they're in an authoritarian cult, you got to have more engagement that's loving, respectful, kind, compassionate. Don't try to argue them out of it or call them bad names. Don't just cut them out of your life. But that a lot of people have done that in the United States with their loved ones because they feel it's so toxic to interact yes. with them. They haven't been given the guidelines, the rules of the road, so to speak, about the dual identity, the dissociative qualities of mind control, and, or given the hope that people, this is not a permanent condition. This is yes. fixable. Yes, absolutely. I think it's so important to identify the, the aspect of shared psychosis because, uh, in essence, it's a transmitted uh, uh, condition. So once you remove the exposure to the primary source, the person with the primary illness, in fact, the other people return to normal. That's, that's a very dramatic phenomenon that we see in situations where we pull the individual out of the gang or out of the, the family and hospitalize them and the rest of the individuals return to their baseline state uh, and that it's not a hopeless situation. In fact, what you mentioned, reaching out with love, with, that, with our humanity and our acceptance is one way to mitigate against the environment that is facilitating this, this uh, unhealthy bond. Um, you uh, asked about interventions. In fact, uh, the book that I um, wrote, uh, Profile of a Nation, Trump's Mind, America's Soul, uh, was written hastily before uh, the 2020 election because I was trying to state that the election alone will not cure us right. of this condition, that we needed, first of all, to remove the offending agent, which is Donald Trump, and deplatform him to the extent that we can deplatform him. That yes. helped. 
And I stated that the presidency will not end with the inauguration because if his exposure were to continue, that, uh, that we would continue to see this phenomenon. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so we need to remove the offending agent. We need to discredit him also. Uh, having come this far without any accountability, he truly needs to be prosecuted now, imprisoned, uh, not just deplatformed, but uh, be banned from public exposure. I couldn't agree more. Would it, would it be incitement to do violence? Would that be the crime that you're thinking of that would be appropriate? Or I mean, I know that there yes. are a billion other crimes that he's done, including allegedly attacking women and raping them and, and other bad things. But talk, you know, talk to the to the country and the world. You know, if you had your way, if you could advise the president and the anyone who was listening, what would you say we need to do exactly? Well, as a mental health professional, I make recommendations as to what needs to be done on a psychological basis on a mental health and public health basis, and that is to contain his influence. And yes, incitement to violence is a crime. It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't count within freedom of speech. Uh, violence is a crime, uh, violence against others. And we can certainly count this as major violence against others. In fact, we could also argue that the over 800,000 uh, deaths from COVID-19, a vast right. majority of it, is a consequence of his uh, psychological predisposition and also uh, uh, the, the shared psychosis that he has spread. And um, we could hold him responsible for much of it. Uh, severe symptoms do not necessarily exonerate one from responsibility. We know right. from personality disorders, how some symptoms can predispose one to mm -hmm. um, guilty acts or guilty mind, and right. therefore they are not uh, held, you know, they are fully held responsible for these deeds. So, uh, so accountability uh, is important, and also speed of prosecution is important. That is the reason why within days of the violent insurrection, we stated that he either needed to be arrested or contained in some way that was commensurate with the act. None of that happened. And in fact, exactly what we feared has uh, ensued. And this was not inevitable. In fact, most of it was avoidable. And we can still avoid the effects in the future. So first avoid, uh, so remove the offending agent from right. influence. Secondly, to remove sources of propaganda, uh, inculcation of uh, false truths, sources of disinformation. Uh, these kinds of things consist of the environment that allows for the contagion of these symptoms. And then thirdly, to fix the socioeconomic conditions that gave rise to the psychological vulnerabilities in the first place. We do not think of economic and social deprivation as being connected to our emotional health, but in fact, it's intimately connected to our general state of health, not just through the stress it causes, but it has a direct bearing on our psychological and emotional health. And that's something we need to recognize and need to respond to accordingly. Yeah. Are you aware of any epidemiological studies uh, that can estimate the 
the impact of people being uh, mind controlled into, you know, a uh, domestic terrorist mindset? Um, is it, you know, is there any thoughts on how to evaluate that? Well, we know for a fact that rhetoric has a great deal to do with inciting, instigating, and uh, worsening uh extremist beliefs and acts, and extremist beliefs give rise to extremist acts. Um, well, violence is a good measure of uh, unhealthy conditions in society. In fact, we consider violent death rates to be a good barometer for how uh, social conditions are not uh, uh, conducive to health and mental health, and therefore uh, would allow for extremist individuals to gain a foothold because uh, individuals are predisposed to it. Um, and, uh, and well, uh, we ourselves did a study, uh, Dr. James Gilligan, um, our, my mentor and our mutual friend has uh, encouraged that I use political party as a environmental condition that could worsen violent death rates in the beginning. This was a study done in 2014. And I thought to myself, well, we don't wish to get political here. And, um, and politics shouldn't have anything to do with violent death rates. But in fact, we were, I was astonished that he could be so insightful as to identify a huge um, uh, predictor of violent death rates, which was political party. Uh, I won't mention which party, but I think that should be obvious. The one, one with party, all the guns and the NRA yes, backing, I would add. One party doubles the violent death rates all across the board, homicides, suicides, all around the country, uh, whenever there's a presidency in that party. And the other party, whenever there's a presidency in that party, has the violent death rates, Um both homicides and suicides, without exception, almost for yeah. 110 years of our history. Wow, and that—that's science. That's that's evidence based. So I'm and we just... controlled for we controlled for policy and all other factors that could be contributing to this difference, and it came down to party alone, which speaks to the rhetoric, the influence of the rhetoric that I spoke of. Wow. So. I, I, there's so many more things I'd like to ask you about, but I want to ask you to circle back to if you had your way and you were approached by influential people with means and they said, Bandy Lee, what do we do to end the polarization in the United States? What do we do to build bridges again? Because things are going in the wrong direction. And now we're in a struggle for voting rights. And uh, so what, what would you, you know, what would you say? I would say voting rights is not the primary issue. In fact, in order to approach that issue itself, there need to be several steps beforehand. In fact, we need to build a foundation so that voting rights bills can pass, so that COVID uh, uh, Education can have mm -hmm. education can happen in ways that can contain the the viral pandemic. Um, there there have to be uh, measures in place that address this uh, psychological divide 
which is how I see it. It's a psychological issue, an issue, in fact, of psychological pathology, because fragmentation already speaks of pathology, not a normal democratic healthy discourse. And so we need to fix this as a public health issue before we can address uh, both sides as equal parties. Or yeah, as, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, with the timetable of the 2022 elections, etc., I don't know that we have that time, but I do want to yeah, verbalize. I really believe we need a massive educational effort highlighting former cult members of authoritarian cults, and in particular, former members of the, the cult of Trump. And there are people who have been uh, speaking out very courageously. Joe Walsh is one. David Weissman, who was a MAGA troll, is another. Uh, there was a whole a documentary called The Game Is Up featuring former members of the... And we need to be messaging, not just, you know, locally, but I think Congress and the Senate should be having open hearings to educate yes. everyone about how do you tell the difference between ethical and unethical mind control? How do we, how do we put back the checks and balances of law and of just justice and for example, trafficking is fraud, force, and coercion. That's what we're dealing with now is fraud, threats of force and coercion. Right now, why can't we update the legal system frame uh, and not just punish the, 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 the people who showed up thinking they were doing the president's bidding on January 6th and putting them in jail, but having justice. And that holds means holding the... The, the 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 bad actors responsible yes absolutely uh we need to hold the highest individuals responsible and that's where it counts uh i see two avenues for intervention which is to have uh psychological experts uh consulting and advising uh those who are making policy and those who are in politics that has not been happening notably and, and that is where the detriment lies. We've always held that um, mental health experts need to advise on this mental health crisis or mental health pandemic that we're currently experiencing. And then secondly, education, as you say. Mental health experts should be on all media channels, speaking yes, all the time. Yes, yes. Uh, education is the primary form of intervention that we can make. But none of that is happening. We are all pretending as if this has nothing to do with mental health. Whereas in fact, you know, I often state that fascism is not an ideology, but mental pathology in politics. And mm. it carries all the characteristics of mental disorder, uh, mental pathology. And so we need to address this. If we cannot face the problem, we cannot solve it. Once we face it, it could be a lot easier to resolve than we believe. And currently that is one of the major frustrations and sadnesses for me to watch phenomena that are so recognizable. Yep. From our own clinical experience and practice, we have seen this hundreds of times before. We know how to intervene. We need partners to intervene at a societal level 
But we know what to do because we understand the principles of pathology and psychological impairment and mental health uh, problems, even at the public scale. And none of this is happening. In fact, mental health experts, as you know, have been excluded from public discourse with the intervention of the American Psychiatric Association. I will still go back to that early period in 2017 when the APA intervened, contorted its own uh, ethical guideline to make it advantageous for those in power because the so-called Goldwater Rule wasn't really about protecting public figures above public health. It was really about protecting public health and to distort it in the way that they did for political advantage, which that brought them enormous profit in terms of unprecedented government funding. They now have a building in the swankiest part of Washington, D.C., shoulder to shoulder with the biggest lobbyists. This should not be happening of a health association when they have so caused harm to, to the public's health. In fact, in the very beginning, when we were invited by all the major networks, uh, cable and network news programs, um, I was impressed. I thought that decades of mental health awareness campaigns had worked. Well, the APA undid that in, uh, in a full sweep by making a formal announcement that we were violating ethics when in fact they had done no investigation in fact, they were breaking their own Goldwater rule in order to make a comment on someone they have not examined, they have not even investigated, and uh, therefore did so as a public campaign to, uh, in effect, silence voices that were critical at the time. Right, but I want I want our listeners to understand you're not even a member of the APA. It's a private institution, and they were infringing on your free speech rights as a citizen, as a forensic psychiatrist, and mine. Um, And it just seems to me like the key is lobbyists, like people who are puppet masters who are saying, no, we don't want that. Maybe it's big pharma. We want to give pills to people for mental health instead of teaching them to sleep well, helping them find jobs. (laughs) <laughs> connecting them with a community so they don't feel so isolated and alone. And it just seems to me like the, the corruption of money and power, needs it, it just needs to be challenged because it's not life-sustaining. We're, we're destroying our habitat and, we're, and, and yes. we're splintered from each other when we are one planet. <laughs> And we're all, our fates are tied together, and we can't afford to let people who have oil and coal to continue to lobby our politicians so that we can't get the legislation in effect that will save countless billions and trillions of dollars and millions of people around the world. And control health associations and educational institutions so that uh, education of the public will not be possible because once they're educated, perhaps they will not be able to be exploited as much for profiting. Yeah, and that seems to me to be the opposite of the America I grew up in where, you know, education and knowledge was power and you could make your future by being innovative and hardworking and open-minded and looking to 
come up with products and services that will improve society, not just rip people off, you know, selling a dream, an MLM dream, or, or, or something that is a pie in the sky uh, rabbit hole that's going to harm yes. people. So Dr. Lee, you have devoted your life, you've put your reputation on the line, speaking out, out of your courage and out of your concern to warn the public because you saw the danger. I saw the danger too as a cult expert. I'm like, this guy's a malignant narcissist. This is this is going to be really bad. In fact, I predicted at the end of the cult of Trump that if he wasn't reelected in 2020, there would be violence. And unfortunately, I was proven right. And right after 1-6 and then later when Biden was actually inaugurated, I started getting media inquiries. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, Steve, you were right. But they couldn't, they couldn't break out of the mold of the box that said, no, 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 shh. We're not talking about cults. It's not polite. And I want to make, in addition to our earlier point about our belief that the media should be having on trained, qualified mental health professionals to give tips in every major show, something that people will be helped by. Um, I also want to comment that the media has to get out of this, we need to be fair and, and give equal time to disinformation to facts. No, we don't need to give equal time to, to lies, to facts. It needs to be, and this is called irregular or hybrid uh, psychological warfare techniques. We have to understand this is a war that's being waged on us by bad actors outside of the U.S. and within the U.S. who want to change our country make it less democratic, more theocratic, uh, take away women's right to health care of their own bodies, uh, discriminate against gay uh, people and, 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 and people of different uh, races, creeds, colors, and nationalities. This is not the America that I was raised in, that I believe in. And I know that, you know, President Biden has said it's aspirational uh, you know, and yes, we've done a lot of bad things in the past, but we need to keep moving forward aspirationally. I agree with that. And when yes, people, I, yeah, go ahead, please. This is not the America I grew up in either, and uh, we can tell the difference as trained mental health specialists. What is healthy, normal, life-affirming variation of uh, you know normal ideology? versus what ideas are pathological and self-destructive. And identifying those characteristics and telling them apart is what we do as mental health professionals. Unfortunately, we have gotten to that place where uh, pathology is so prevalent, we have to identify it and we have to contain it. Uh, otherwise, it takes over, as you said giving a false equivalence, giving it the same platform as healthy ideas would in fact uh, allow them to take over and claim the other side as unhealthy. And they are the, the right idea or the, the truth or the healthy perspective. And so we have to identify and educate the public about how to tell these apart uh, before it gets too widespread. Because once it gets widespread. It's 
Yeah, they've as, been. As I said, it confuses the issue. There's been so much money put towards disinformation campaigns and not enough money to counter it, to debunk it, basically, and such. As we're wrapping up, I would love for you to comment on the internet, social media, and from your perspective, how healthy is it for people to spend eight to 12 hours a day on a screen? Well, of course, there's very little that's healthy about it um, because, I mean, it's a very convenient tool, but it has certainly gone far beyond that. And in a society that is so atomized, where individuals' communities are breaking down, individuals are lonely much of the time, isolated, and we need human contact and uh, constant social exposure and interaction in order to develop our brains, to maintain healthy uh, emotional health and uh, maintain brain health. And we're not doing that if we're spending 12 hours a day on the screen and uh, not to mention this providing an extraordinary avenue of influence for uh, bad influencers who, would, uh, who do not have our best health in mind. Yeah, I tell people when I do interviews, smartphones are the ultimate mind control device. If you are an authoritarian wanting, you know, money, power, sex, uh, get people addicted to platforms on their cell phones, have them turn on notifications, never turn the phone off, keep them up all late at night on meetings and things. And I, I just, I, I'm saying more and more, it's like we should control the technology, not the technology controlling us. And until we have privacy uh, protection uh, in the United States, like Europe has voted for, until we're, we cease to be products to be sold to marketers, and until we put back rules of law, the ethics, uh, of checks and balances and not letting people who's actively at a high position in the government immediately come out and be hired as a lobbyist against the government. That's what's happening right now with uh, Facebook, what they call Meta now. Uh, and it's, 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 it makes me nauseous. Well, one of the reasons why we donated all the revenues to our best-selling book, The New, uh, the Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, is because uh, that kind of conflicts of interest uh, can influence our decision-making, how we convey our messages in ways that we do not even recognize. So, in fact, with the level of specialized interests and conflicts of interest that play a role in politics, just about all the politicians are should be disqualified from from doing politics because they cannot have uh, the public's best interest in mind if they are so influenced. Yeah, we need to get we need to get rid of what is terribly called Citizens United because it's the opposite of citizens. It's corporate dark money that uh, that that that's corrupting our political system, and we we need to come back to a new level of real democracy where each person counts. And not gerrymandered, you know, lines and these these uh, party machines. Um, and I'm not. I'm by no means re recommending anarchy. I'm recommending we 
We changed the filibuster, passed national voting rights laws, but we need to start implementing strict corrective ethics moving forward and attract people who genuinely want to serve and not make hundreds of millions of dollars off their, uh, off their political roles. Absolutely. We need to have standards. We need to return to uh, having principles of ethics, of governance that are independent of the special interests involved. In fact, uh, I was speaking to someone from the uh, program of uh, psychiatry and the law that we're a part of at Harvard, mm -hmm. um, that things have gone the opposite direction since the time of Socrates. Back then, Socrates was bringing in the concept of independent ideas and philosophy that is in, apart from those in power or who is saying it. Now we're shifting back to that, where authoritarianism uh, takes precedence over any authority over an actual topic. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Lee, thank you for your integrity, uh, your courage, your your desire to help serve humanity. We need you. Uh, we need you to have a, a heightened voice, which is why I've asked you to please come on. And thank you for willing being willing to do this on such short notice. And we'll be in touch. I have no doubt we have a lot more work to do together. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. You too. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website, freedomofmind.com. There you will find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at CultExpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend reading my books, Combating Cult Mind Control and Freedom of Mind, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you fully grasp the complex web of undue influence. Thanks for listening. Thank you.